Derek warned me earlier. He was like, hey, uh, did you get a battery? And I was like, yeah, I grabbed one when I was upstairs. And he was like, uh, which one did you get? And I was like, well, it had a little green sign. We've got these uh, rechargeable batteries. And, and he was like, oh, oh, good. So it's got some charge in it because I think I just put that one up there. And I'm like, oh, it was green. It was fine. It worked great. Yeah. So um, I, I just need to listen to you, man. I mean, right? Just need to listen. Hey, welcome to East Brainerd, everybody. Hope that you are charged and ready to go today. Hope you're feeling good. Uh, we've got a lot of new people who are here, people traveling because of uh, vacations are getting started. We've got some of our own family, I know, uh, that are away. Our uh, young adults in college, some 20, uh, over 20 of them are on a retreat uh, this weekend. Uh, we've got our youth over in the Children's Center helping out with Kids Praise and We Worship. Uh, we have a Hispanic worship that's going on in our Family Life Center. People spread all around, and we are so glad that you are here to, to be a part. As we try to remind you, uh, each week you'll see there on that pew back that's in front of you, if you're new here to East Brainerd, we just ask you to text the word CONNECT, just that word CONNECT, to 423-455-5530. You'll get a response back, and then you can fill in some different information and things. Let us know that you're with us. We really appreciate that. And if you're a returning guest or you're a part of our East Brainerd family, just take out your phone, turn the camera on, scan that QR code that's there, and uh, check in with us and let us know that you are, that you're with us as well. You know, last week I, I tried to encourage everybody to believe that the best days of your life with God are ahead of you. That there is a next level in your spiritual walk with the Father, Son, and, and Spirit. And we talked about it being the sweet spot, that area of the back. That area of the club that just, man, when you make contact, everything just feels right. Now, I found out quickly this morning how many of you were not here last week. As I stood out on the front steps with this baseball bat, and people came walking up like, hmm, what is that? Are we supposed to be here? The great way to welcome people to church is to walk around with a baseball bat, right? Uh, there was a reason that we had the bat here because we are talking about the sweet spot and how the best days with God, I truly believe, are ahead of you. And they're ahead of me. They're ahead of us together as, as a church family. It's that time, again, where it just seems like everything is beginning to fall into place. It's that optimal impact in your life. And there's no denying it when you find it. And you want to stay there. And you will do whatever it takes to remain in that place. Maybe it's just for a short time. Maybe it is longer for others. You know, for the Hebrews, we said last week it was seven years. They had a sweet spot of seven years where, where they had more victories than defeats. There was more rejoicing than there was crying. They had, they had more marriages than they had funerals. There was more crops than drought. There were seven years of unparalleled success. They went from wilderness wanderers to promised land dwellers. But their time was so sweet that when you open up the, the book of Joshua that's there in your Old Testament, and I'll encourage you to do that again today, that you find that he would write Joshua chapter 21. He would say about this time, So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side just as he had sworn to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands, and not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one of them was fulfilled. The Lord gave them all the land, and the Lord gave them rest. 
And every promise was fulfilled. And what we're trying to understand and wrap our mind around is how that the promised land is not just a physical territory that the Hebrews went into, but it is a spiritual reality for God's people. You see, a promised land life is one where we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. It's a life where we do not lose heart. A life in which Christ's love controls us. A life where even though we see troubles and we experience trials, well, we look at those things as an opportunity for great joy. It's a life in which we are anxious for nothing. A life where we pray without ceasing. It's a life where we do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and Father through him. And I really believe that with God's help, you and I can close that gap between the person that we are and the person that you desire to be and the person that God, I believe, created you to be. You see, the walls of Jericho are ready to crumble, and the giants, they're already on the run because Canaan is yours, and Canaan is mine, and the joy of the promised land is right here within our grasp. You just need to take, take hold of what God has already said is yours. Now look, I understand it can be difficult during the best of times, but it is extremely problematic during times of transition. Transition naturally implies that, that while something is beginning, there is something else that is ending. There is loss and there is letting go, and, and, and with that comes an anxiety and there comes a uncertainty and there's going to be a sadness. You face it every time that you move from, from one job to another. You face it when you become parents. It's that time of those empty nest years. You change neighborhoods, you change schools, you change churches, you change ministries, and, and all of a sudden a whole network of relationships end and suddenly you find yourself in a psychological no man or no woman's land between the old reality and the new one. And it is that time when, when the old way of doing things is gone, but the new way is not yet comfortable, and it, it's, it's very disconcerting. This strange territory has the ability to paralyze our progress. Because instead of confidently moving forward, instead, like Linus, we wait there impatiently by the dryer, wondering, well, when can I get my blanket back out? Right? And when can things feel normal again? Now, it's in this very situation that we find the Hebrews at the beginning of Joshua chapter 1. So if you got your Bibles, you got your phone, just pull up Joshua chapter 1. We're not going to go very far. We're going to camp out there in verses 1 and 2. Because right there at the beginning of the journal entry, it declares that these people were in the midst of a huge transition. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. I mean, that's how the journal starts out. Moses is dead. And you need to understand, for these people, there was no one like Moses. He was the deliverer, and he was the protector, and he was the provider, and he was the proclaimer, all rolled into one. And to the Hebrews, the, to the people, he was the only leader they had known. And to lose Moses, well, that meant they were losing their direction. And to lose Moses meant that they were losing their purpose and their, they were losing their identity. And they lost him because Moses died. So now what are they going to do? Well, before they could even answer the question, God told Joshua, Hey, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise. Go. 
Now, I think we would take a different approach. We would say, Moses is dead, now therefore grieve. Or, or Moses is dead, so you need to retreat. Moses is dead, so you need to reorganize. But God says, no, Moses is dead, now therefore arise. And right here from the very outset, we see a theme that is going to run through all the pages of Joshua's journal, and that is that God is the one who gives a promised land existence. God is the one who gives a promised land life. Moses may be dead, but God is alive. And because God is alive, God's promise is still alive. And because God is alive, and because God lives, so does the dream. Now therefore, arise, go. Now look, Joshua had every reason to say, that's just a big fat nope. Mm -mm. Nope, not going to do that. Now conservative estimates place the number of Hebrews under Joshua's care at around 2 million. Now that is over five times the population size of Hamilton County, all right? So you're talking about two million inexperienced men, women, and children who for the last four decades have just spent their time wandering in circles. He had a problem. And it wasn't like the land that God was going to lead them to was empty. There were big people living there. I mean, earlier there had been some spies who had gone into the land and they came back and said, wow, it is flowing with milk and honey, just like God said. But oh, by the way, there are some huge dudes living over there. I mean, there are some big old cats that are there. I mean, there were big people. There were Perizzites and Hittites and Canaanites and Amorites and all other kind of big old ites. And these ites were known to be an evil and sinful people who one author said their wickedness surpassed any other at any time. Those were the people who were living there. And Joshua looks around at his two million Men, women, and children. And you could see them thinking, I don't think so. I don't think we can do this. Because Moses is dead and the people are ill-prepared and the inhabitants of Canaan are fierce. But before Joshua could even protest in fear, God gave him a reason for faith. He says right there in verse 2, Arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them. Now, I want you to notice, it's not the land that I might give them. It's not, I want you to go into this land that you need to go and conquer. It, it, it's not the land that you need to go in there and you need to earn. It's not the land that you have to go and purchase. God says, I want you to take these people to the land that I am giving to them. The transaction has already taken place. I mean, the deal has been done, and the final result is assured. God wasn't sending them to take the land. He was sending them to receive the land. Now, I want you to listen to how God describes all this to Joshua. Verse 3. He says, I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or forsake you. So be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance." Now that is a huge word as you read through Joshua. And inheritance is something that's passed down, remember, from, from parent to child. 
something that the parent works for, something the parent accumulates and stores up, and something that the child enjoys just because of the relationship that they have to the parent. Now, now I know that some of you, you've already told your kids, it's like, look, you can have it now or have it later, right? What do you want? There is an inheritance. And some of you are saying, hey, you might as well take it now because there ain't going to be nothing later. That word shows up almost 60 times in Joshua's writing. And because Joshua was willing to take God at his word and not allow a time of transition to paralyze him, the end result was that when you get to the final words of Joshua, now remember the first words that said Moses is dead. And the people were experiencing this huge transition and things were changing and they were getting a new leader and everything was kind of in upheaval and now we got to go. That was how it began. But you get to the very end of Joshua and it says that he dismissed the people each to their own inheritance. They received what God had promised. They got their sweet spot. Friends, God has given his children a promised land. There is a sweet spot for God's people. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, Hebrews 1 and verse 3 says. And I want you to consider the tense. He has blessed us. Not will bless us. Not might bless us. An inheritance has been given. You see, you have everything you need to be everything that God desires. Now, this might be the best kept secret within the church. This might be the best kept secret that we never tell anybody because we underestimate what happens to us at our conversion. Did you know that when you place your faith in Christ, trusting him for your salvation is demonstrated in your baptism, you receive more than just the forgiveness of sins? that you receive the very essence of Christ. And it's why you can read in Scripture that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. You are fully equipped for a promised land existence. You need more kindness? You need more self-control? Would you like to have more self-discipline in your life? It's yours. 1 Peter 1 and verse 3, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Maybe you need to go and highlight that verse. Maybe you need to put it up on a mirror somewhere this week. Maybe that needs to be your God 360 that you see, that when your alarm goes off at three different times during the day this week, that you're going to remember that God has given me everything I need to put him first and to live for his honor and for his glory. Friends, we have an inheritance. We have an inheritance. And that should make us feel good, Derek. I mean, that, that should make us, man, we're going, I feel good, good, good. Why? Because I've got an inheritance that other people don't have. I've got an inheritance that others do not have that I wish they did and I wish they would listen to, but I know I've got something because it comes from God. You see, as part of God's family, we have access to the family's blessings. All of them. And it's why that Paul could write to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1 and say, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. And again, I want you to notice the tense there. He says, we have received. This is something that is present in our lives right here and now. And it's not just any inheritance. Look at what he, Paul says in Romans chapter 8. 
since we are his children. We are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs to the glory of God. And I don't know, maybe your Bible translates that Greek term Paul used as co-heirs or joint heirs with Christ. The word literally means together inheritance. You see, we don't get leftovers. We don't get hand-me-downs. We have the same inheritance as Christ. The blessings of Christ are our blessings. The relationship that Christ enjoys with the Father, we enjoy. Whatever he has, we have. But, but if that's the case, why is there the disconnect then in our lives? I mean, Christ didn't let grudges control him, and nor, nor did he let despair overwhelm him. You know that he was filled with joy and, and hope. I mean, he was, he was so sure of, of God's purpose for him. He had zero doubts about his future. And if we are co-heirs with him, if we are heirs together with Christ, then why do we struggle through life? If God has given us everything we need to live a godly life, why do we more often than not act or feel so ungodly? Maybe there's a couple of reasons. Perhaps it's because we just have never heard about our inheritance. Maybe nobody ever told you about the incredible greatness of God's power for those who believe in him. Maybe no one ever told you that the land has already been conquered. Maybe no one's ever told you the best days of your life with God are still ahead of you. Moses, while he was still living, while the people were there in that, in that wandering existence, he got the group together and he says, guys, God brought us out of Egypt so that he could give us this land. The people need to hear it. They need to be reminded that they had been taken out of one existence so they could enjoy another. And that's what we need, I think, as well. You see, you've heard now over the last couple of weeks that you were made for more than just a wilderness existence. That God saved you from Egypt so that he could bless you with the promised land. There is a reason for your redemption. He set you free from sin so that you could enjoy life with him. The gift has been given. But do you trust that? Do you trust it? See, that brings us to the second reason why we struggle with a promised land life. I just don't know if we believe in the inheritance that God has given us. See, that was the problem with Joshua's ancestors. They didn't really believe that God could give them the land. Understand the Hebrews could have been enjoying their sweet spot decades earlier if they would just have trusted God. God said the land is yours. The land is yours. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's this beautiful place. There's going to be rest. There's going to be, this is going to be your spiritual sweet spot. Now go. And the people came back and said, hey, it's just like God said, but man, it is scary. And how many of us, we've looked around and we see where God has led us and we're like, boy, this is all happening just like God said it would. In this world, you will have trouble, but you still need to be faithful and you still need to go forward. And we're like, I hear what God says, but man, it's a scary place. It's scary to start something new. It's scary to begin a new ministry. It's scary to have to go and be in that classroom. It's scary to speak up for my faith. It's scary to stand up for God in the marketplace. It's scary to have to deal with all the things that went on and have been going on during a pandemic. 
They could have been enjoying it decades earlier. That's why when God talks to Joshua, he said, I promise you what I promised Moses, as if to say, hey, remember, the people could have been there 40 years ago. Don't make the same mistake. And Joshua didn't. Joshua took God at his word, and he and all the people, they went in and they claimed the inheritance that God had given to them. So why don't you do the same? See, the promised land life is yours and it's mine for the claiming. But we've got to be able to change our paradigm so that our default is no longer a wilderness existence. You see, a wilderness mentality says, I am weak and I will always be weak. But a promised land mentality says, I am weak, but I'm getting stronger. Wilderness people say, I'm a victim of my environment. But promised land people say, I can be victorious despite my surroundings. Wilderness people say, these are difficult days of transition and I will never get through them. But God's people say, my best days are ahead and God will get me through. William and Susan Bridges in their bestseller, Managing Transitions, say that it's a natural feeling that when a person finds themselves in that, in that no person's land of transition, that the natural feeling is to try to escape, to try to pull the blanket out of the dryer, to be paralyzed. But they point out that by doing so, the individual or the group misses out on their best chance to be creative, to be renewed and to develop into what they need to become. You see, even though it's uncomfortable, the space between what is old and what is known and what is, is new and, and unknown is the time when renewal and innovation are most possible. See, transitions provide the opportunity for renewal. And so earlier I told you that because God lives, so does the dream. And it's why we as a church can can make announcements as, as Steve Kahn did last week, detailing shifting responsibilities and roles for our staff and, and new additions to our eldership and ministry teams. And, and we can make these announcements without anxiety. It's why we can move our worship times around during a pandemic and, and change our class offerings. And it's, it's why we can't adjust without getting all bent out of shape. We can do all these things because our focus during times of transition is on the one who does not change. That's the sweet spot. You see, individually and as a church family, man, we're experiencing multiple transitions as we begin to to exit out of this long pandemic tunnel. But what I would encourage you to do, what I would ask is that you embrace this season of life with fear or with faith and not fear, with trust and not doubt. I would ask that you embrace this time with a confidence that is willing to arise and, and go, a confidence that is willing to arise and go live in the sweet spot of your spiritual inheritance. God says it's yours. Now go live in it. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you have freely given. We thank you for the new life that we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the spirit that you have given to us for, for comfort, for direction. Father, we thank you 
that through Christ we are more than conquerors. So that when we come upon times as those Hebrews did, when, when we're faced with transition and when we're faced with, with change and, and we're trying to, to make out whatever the new normal is, Father, that the dream still is alive because, Father, you are alive. Help us to keep our focus firmly on you so that we might enjoy the inheritance and the blessings of living in the sweet spot of your glory. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray together. Amen. Church, we want you to know that if you'd like to discuss this or anything else more, one of our, one of our elders, one of our, our pastors will be back in our lobby area. We've got a prayer room just, just there in our lobby. And if you'd like to speak with someone when we conclude this morning, there'll be someone there to be able to talk with you. If you'd like to talk more about being baptized into Christ, about the what it means to be a person who puts Jesus first and who, who learns how to, to live in that sweet spot, spot. We'd love to have that conversation. If you have a prayer request that you would like to be able to convey, but do that privately, we again ask you to just text the word prayer to 423-455-5530. You'll receive a reply back. Put into that then your prayer request. Send that back in. Today one of our elders will see that and be in prayer for you. During the week, if you continue to send out those, that prayer request, someone from our staff will see that and be able to pass that information along. We are so thankful that you have been here today. Thankful that you have been a part of here at EB. We hope you have a great weekend remembering the sacrifices that have been made for us to be able to enjoy the blessings here in this country. And I hope that it shifts you also to be reminded of the sacrifices of Christ so that you could have a sweet spot and a promised land existence. Derek, let's sing a little bit more as we close out.